Good morning. I just realized the clock in the back is a couple minutes slow, so we'll go by real time. It's nice to see you all this morning. I trust that you're all well rested, taking good care of yourselves. Looking forward to fall break coming soon. Um, I just wanted to share that uh, through Sexual Violence Awareness Week last week, I have gotten to meet more and more and more students here, and I have to say, I continue to just be so impressed by you as a student body, and um, I hope you know what a remarkable community that you are, because you are. You're wonderful. So today, we're going to be talking about alcohol use, which I realize is a sensitive topic and certainly not a topic that's black and white in our discussion. Um, but we'd like to approach it from a direction of giving you information so that you can make thoughtful and wise decisions and also maybe um, engaging some, some further discussion for you that would carry on outside of Convo as you navigate um, these different choices presented to you as emerging adults. So, before I invite our speaker up this morning, I want to first direct your attention to a short video on Goshen College's alcohol policy. As a campus of predominantly underage residential students, it's just simplest to have a dry campus policy uh, as a management tool and a management understanding. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a statement of personal choice, recognizing that students come from a variety of backgrounds, family practices, uh, and moral understandings. Um, but we need to honor and respect everybody's uh, position as well as uh, provide safety and security uh, and the best campus policy overall as possible. And, and we've just determined that being a dry campus, alcohol-free, uh, is the simplest approach and, and most consistent. At Goshen College, faculty, staff, and students join to intentionally create community of learning. We agree that we might need to adjust our own individual choices for the good of the group so that GC can be a safe place for creative, life-giving, and integrative learning. A culture focused on alcohol use or abuse counters that type of safe community space. Large state universities also recognize this reality and spend a lot of time and money managing the realities of alcohol abuse. For us personally, the cleanest, easiest decision to choose is non-use, especially underage. One avoids a lot of legal and personal risk when we do not drink. After 21, each of us has the responsibility to make very adult decisions every time we choose to drink. When how much, what type of alcohol, where, around whom, etc. We also have to learn how to monitor our own behavior while we're consuming alcohol. And at Goshen, we want to be thoughtful and mindful of how our choices and behaviors impact others around us. This is responsible use as members of a whole house of learning. Public intoxication you're under the influence of alcohol, uh, controlled substance, or a combination of alcohol and a controlled substance, or your faculties are basically impaired. If 
if you are not intoxicated or you did not provide alcohol to the minor, you are not liable for the person being intoxicated in your vehicle. Furnishing alcohol to a minor is a Class B misdemeanor if you knowingly, recklessly, or intentionally furnish alcohol to a person 21 years of age or under the age of 21. It is a Class A misdemeanor if you had a previous conviction for the same charge, and it is a Class D felony if it results in injury or death to a person. If a student is caught drinking or possessing alcohol on campus, it is considered a violation of our community standards. Uh, if a student is drinking off campus and comes back to campus and impacts our community in a negative way, that would also be considered a violation of our standards. Uh, if a student is referred by the residence life director or an RA on campus for alcohol, they would then go through our disciplinary process system. Uh, we have a formal process for responding to violations of our community standards. Alcohol is considered a Category 2 violation and can be processed in a number of ways. First-time offenders will often meet one-on-one -on -one with the residence life director and if a formal outcome cannot be agreed upon and they can seek instead a hearing with our standards response team or the SRT. Uh, the SRT includes a residence life director, a student, uh, and a teaching faculty representative. Together they process the incident and determine a restorative outcome. Students who go involved in a second alcohol-related violation uh, will either meet one-on-one -on -one with myself as a director of residence life or the standards response team at the student's discretion or if we are unable to agree on a restorative outcome or the facts of the incident are unclear and consistent. Uh, in all of our disparate meetings, we seek clarity and agreement among all parties regarding the facts, roles, and responsibilities of individuals and Goshen College. We determine what a student is willing to accept responsibility for and draw up an agreement on where the student would like to go from that point forward. What lessons were learned through the process? I lastly determine an appropriate response for the incident and assign that student uh, those tasks, whatever it is, the restorative outcome that we determine. Once the process is over, we document it in a memo of understanding, and the student receives a copy, as well as their academic advisor, and athletic coaches, and parents if they're under the age of 21. College drinking excludes some people from social activities. It initiates some people into lifelong debilitating addictions. It puts pressure on those who shouldn't drink for medical reasons to drink. It diminishes the safety and enjoyment that people have of their neighborhoods and homes. It impairs our ability to assess whether we're being offensive to others. And finally, drinking and guest cultures contributes to social problems, aggravates social problems in those cultures, rather than participating in what is good in those cultures. The position of Goshen College International Education Office has always been that any Goshen College sponsored event, be it a field trip, be it an evening at a restaurant, alcohol is not supposed to be part of that event. We consider events in Peru, events in Cambodia, the same as we would an event on campus. Alcohol cannot be part of a Goshen College sponsored event. If students go off on their own, we expect them to act responsibly. We do not police individuals, but we will not accept behavior that affects the program. Uh, I know 
that many students may go to campus parties and consume alcohol and not have any immediate negative consequences, but I, I can say that through the years I have encountered many, many students who begin to show up to class late or not at all on Monday and watch their grades slide, or students who uh, make sexual decisions that have long-term consequences, students who find themselves facing addictions or encounters with the law. I think all of us know the rational reasons why um, binge drinking and drinking at parties might be problematic, but I'd like to make a quick appeal, not to your head, but to your heart. Uh, I think some 90% of students at Goshen College are either Christians or people of faith, and if you're a person of faith, you know that you have um, infinite worth, that God loves you fully and unconditionally. And as someone who's been a recipient of that love, I want to invite you to love yourself and to love your sisters and brothers in a fuller and deeper way. And if you see that partying is taking you in a direction that gets in the way of God's love for you or your love for yourself or others, I would implore you to make better choices. The decisions you make affect you, they affect your community, and they matter to God. Misty Dillon is a clinical social worker licensed in the state of Indiana. She holds a master's degree in social work from Indiana University as well as a bachelor's degree in psychology from Bethel College. She has over 12 years of experience in mental health and addictions and working directly with the court system. She currently is in private practice in Elkhart and provides individual and couples counseling. She also provides groups for adolescents and adults focusing on substance abuse. She's a court substance abuse management specialist and a certified Prime for Life instructor. Also, she has specialized training in suicide prevention and postvention. And she's a member of the National Association of Social Workers and the Elkhart County Suicide Prevention Coalition. Ask you to give her your attention and a warm Goshen College welcome this morning. doing? Uh, ready for fall break? Yeah, I am too and I'm not in college. Not a good thing. Well, Jenny asked me to come and talk to you today about alcohol. So what I'm going to do is just provide you with a very generic kind of brief overview about it. I'm not going to get into the whole dependence versus abuse criteria and so forth because actually that's all changing anyway. So I'm just going to give you a brief overview on what alcohol is, long-term effects, short-term, so forth, and then there's going to be a brief video at the end. So maybe we'll get out a little early. I heard that's probably not going to be an issue if we do. So alcohol is a drug. The reason why I put that up there is because a lot of times when people hear the word drug, they think of cocaine, meth, heroin, and things like that. But alcohol is actually a drug. A lot of times people make it separate, but it's actually a drug. Um, it's also a central nervous system depressant. Some people think it's a stimulant because it gives them that buzzed feel, but actually it's a depressant. 
And if you suffer from depression to begin with, if you drink a whole lot, you'll notice in the next couple of days you're even more depressed. So it is a depressant. 20% of the alcohol when it's consumed is absorbed through your stomach. And then most of the remaining 80% is then absorbed through your small intestines. Just kind of gives you an idea of what's going on with your body. And how fast it is absorbed depends on the concentration of the drink, the type of drink, um, if your stomach's full or empty. Some people believe that like wine coolers is kind of a sissy drink, but actually carbonated beverages absorb, it speeds up that process. So keep that in mind. Pay attention to what you're drinking. And, and then eventually it goes through your bloodstream and enters through your body. Some short-term effects. It can impair your judgment. So you might do something that you normally would not do if you're drinking. It can cause dizziness. Some people be, tend to get a little more talkative. Some people are shy when they're sober, but then when they start drinking alcohol, they become those chatty Cathy, I guess you could say. Can make you vomit. Some people become more aggressive. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been fighting a cold. Uh, headaches and upset stomachs. So those are the short-term effects of when you consume alcohol. Some of the long-term effects that I really want us to pay attention to is it can do damage to your heart. It can <clears throat> cause strokes, maybe high blood pressure. Causes damage to your liver, which is cirrhosis of the liver. A lot of people are familiar with that. Um, cancer, over long-term effects of cancer. Um, so maybe cancer of the esophagus, throat, mouth, things like that. Immune system is actually brought down if you drink alcohol on a consistent basis. It'll lower your immune system, so it means you can get sick more often. And then, um, obviously, alcohol poisoning is one of those things, too. So I thought I would mention binge drinking. I am aware that, um, and we get into a little more of this in a little bit, about Goshen's policy. Um, but I was brought in, and this is how I work. I kind of give you both sides. I'm going to give you the overview, but then we're going to kind of go a little ways off of that. But I wanted to bring in information about binge drinking because a lot of college students are binge drink drinking. Actually, four out of five. Well, four out of, four out of five students drink. And what is binge drinking? Binge drinking is drinking so much usually within a two-hour period that your BAC, which is blood alcohol content, that's how much alcohol is in your system, reaches a point of 0.08%. Usually for women, this is four drinks per minute to about five. So this is just kind of giving you an overview of what binge drinking is. And I do want to make note that sometimes people don't view that they're binge drinking, but certain games kind of encourage this, like beer pong and things like that. So pay attention to that. Um, some consequences of drinking too much, we've kind of touched on some of these, um, unsteady movement, slurred speech, memory problems, um, which would be blackouts. And blackouts are different than passing out. Blackouts is a time frame of where you just don't remember what happened. Pass out is more of where you're, you're out. And the reason why I mentioned blackouts is because I work with quite a few college students that come in and see me that have um, had a blackout and then they were actually raped during that blackout. 
Um, so this is something that's very important, and I do want to make note that it's just not a woman thing, that this can actually happen to guys too. So be aware of blackouts. Um, and then obviously death. People have died from drinking too much, and then some people have actually died by trying to go through withdrawal from alcohol, so it's really serious. Um, this is kind of a small slide. I'm not going to go over all of it because it's statistics, and I don't know about you, but statistics kind of bore me. Sorry. Um, but it just kind of goes over some college drinking. The death, I think, is quite a significant number. Um, 1,825 students, and this is between the ages of 18 and 24, have died um, each year from college drinking, assault, sexual abuse, more than 97,000 students have been assaulted um, or date raped. And then obviously the other side of if you're drinking, it can interfere with your education, maybe not going to classes, maybe your grades are um, going down and so forth. And then health and suicide attempts also increase when you've been drinking. Some things that I want to touch on is if you, when we look at consuming alcohol, certain things put us at a greater risk of becoming more impaired. And one of these things is your total body fluid. And what that means is you have to look at your body size, gender, and age. Typically, for the most part, women cannot handle alcohol as well as men. So those are some um, examples. High altitude. This just means if you happen to be on a plane. I have some friends that are afraid to fly. So when they get on the plane, they order a cocktail. And then when they get off the plane, they realize that they're more impaired than what they normally would be. And if you're on certain medications, there's a reason why there are little labels on those prescription bottles saying do not combine with alcohol. It will put you more, it'll make you more impaired. So be aware of that, and certain antidepressants, anti-anxieties, and so forth will increase that. And then if you're sick or tired, you will become more impaired. I look at it this way. If you truly have ever had the flu, and you're reaching in your refrigerator for a beer, not a Gatorade, you might want to look at your use. That's kind of what I always say to it. And then if you don't eat, I'm sure all of you guys have heard that. If you don't eat on, then you become more impaired. All right, um, Jenny had put this up there on her video, so I'm not going to go over it, but this is just Goshen's policy. The reason why I put this in my slideshow is because obviously I won't stand up here and, you know, I don't condone underage drinking, but I'm a firm believer that I have to meet people where they are. And sometimes this offends some people, but this is the way I work. So what I'm going to do from here is I'm going to give you low-risk choices. I'm going to give you guidelines that if you are going to drink, please follow these guidelines, okay? So I put this up here. What is a standard drink? A lot of people are not aware of what is considered a drink. Some people think like those big beer mugs that you get at restaurants are considered a drink. It's not. Some people believe a 40 ounce is considered a drink, and it's not. So this is a drink. And what's going to happen is it's going to take your body one hour to metabolize one of these drinks. So 
a 12 ounce can of beer or bottle. 12 ounces should be the it. But you have to look at, it's gotta be a beer that's 5%. Microbrews, Corona, Heineken, and things like that have a higher alcohol content. So you have to stay within that 5% for it to be considered a drink. An eight to nine full ounce malt liquor is considered a drink at 7%. Five ounces of wine is considered a drink at 12%. Obviously, some wines, you can get Merlots that go up to 13 to 14% of alcohol. That's pretty high. And then a one and a half full ounce shot of um, 80 proof, and that would be about 40% alcohol. This is considered a drink. I want you all to be aware of that. Because some people will come in my office and say, well, you know what, Ms. D, I only had one drink, and my BAC was a 0.08. We're gonna need to look at that. Because if, if you've ever had a margarita, or if, you're ever, if you've ever seen a margarita, in one drink, there's actually three. Three drinks in that one margarita. So I might go out and have a margarita hacienda and then get pulled over and the officer's like, how much have you had to drink? And I say, well, one officer, but technically I've had three. So just kind of a different way to look at it. Again, I'm not encouraging you to drink by any means. I would never do that. But I just want you to, to have the knowledge. Tolerance I wanted to throw in here is because a lot of tolerance goes up during college years. And what tolerance means is just pretty much how much you can handle. And how you increase your tolerances, and I put it up here as you're working at it. That's how you increase it. If you decrease it, obviously you're quitting or cutting back. And tolerance makes us less aware and less sensitive to what's going on. Your body eventually will say, you know what, Ms. D, three beers no longer gets me buzzed. Now I need six. So be aware of tolerance. Um, so in closing, hopefully I didn't offend too many people. Um, in closing, I just want to let you all know, obviously abstinence is the best low-risk choice. If it was up to me, I would tell you I never, ever, ever, ever drink. And if I could make it happen, I would. But... I can't, and obviously I work with a lot of adolescents and they're kind of teenagers in college that are in trouble with the law and, and it's, it's that. So like I said, I just have to meet people where they are. Um, alcoholism does run in families. I know that's kind of, it's been focusing for the last couple of years, a lot of people focus on that. But I want you to be aware of this. And I will share, my father suffers from alcoholism. Um, and he has for many years. But the great thing is this, even though my father suffers from alcoholism, it does make me pre-exposed, but it doesn't mean that I'm predestined for it. So be aware of that. We all have our choices, and that's really what I want you to be aware of, making low-risk choices. And then um, alcoholism and addiction can affect anyone. I'm going to tell you, I've worked with the youngest. Um, I worked with a 12-year-old who was incarcerated um, for dealing cocaine, but he was also addicted to it. Addiction and alcoholism does not care about your age, your race, your income. It doesn't matter your education, so it can affect anyone. And then safety. I really want to point out, if you choose to drink, I ask that you don't. But if you are going to continue to choose to drink, please be safe. Make your own drinks, get your own drinks, don't leave your drinks unintended. Okay? Please, please, please. 
And then if you feel like maybe you are having some problems with drinking or drug use, there's treatment. So feel free to make contact with me. There's um, a whole bunch of other treatment options out there. Okay, I thank you so much. This is brief, short and sweet. Thank you so much for having me. And we're gonna watch a video real quick. Thank you.
24-7, drink, pass out, drink, pass out. I literally started drinking so much that I would shave if I didn't have a drink. When I would not drink, I'd get extremely sick. Definitely sick. Just really achy all over, and you have headaches, and you're so dehydrated that you just, you have no energy. Alcohol had been, you know, in and out my body so much that I had tore away some of the lining of my esophagus, and blood was bleeding. I was a physical disaster. I was that far in my addiction, physical withdrawal, and when I shut that alcohol intake off, my body tried to shut down. The actual withdrawal from alcohol can kill you, for one thing, which is too, and too intense. Uh, your body has no vitamins, or is dehydrated, and you can have DTs, you can seizure to death, that's terrible. I got a phone call, you know, that my father was in the hospital, and that he was really, really sick, um, and that he wasn't gonna make it. So the next day, I got on a plane to go home, and my only way to confront this was to drink alcohol. So I showed up at the airport pretty drunk, and my family, you know, saw me there, and, you know, they didn't know what to say. The worst thing about it is that my father was kept conscious so that he could see me before he passed away. But instead of disgracing his memory, they'd put him on life support. I had gotten kicked out of this bar for fighting. I was beyond drunk, and uh, I was attacked and uh, raped. And I went home and I stayed in my apartment for a week. My mom would come knocking on the door. I'd pretend I wasn't home. I felt like it was my fault. You know, I was the one that was at that bar. I was the one that was getting drunk. I went home and I had a roommate. And for some reason, we got into an argument which resulted in a fight and the cops got called. I blacked out for part of it, so I couldn't I couldn't figure out why I was waking up in jail. I drank some beer there at the uh, bar inside the, the airport. I just ordered another beer and put my backpack on and started walking through the terminal smoking a cigarette. I, I didn't care what I was supposed to be doing. And I ended up getting a fight with the uh, police there at the airport. And I woke up in jail. I had staples in my head. In the military, I woke up and uh, I actually had to crawl on my hands and knees off the flight deck of the carrier because I couldn't walk, and then I got discharged from that. And lost a girlfriend and a, a kid and my whole life. I drank to blackout one night. Well, sometime about an hour later, I got back up. I went to my bedroom. My wife wasn't there. I went to the girls' bedroom, and they were all in the bed together, basically hiding from me through a blackout, and I decided right then that I couldn't stay there anymore. I was afraid that I was gonna hurt someone in a blackout. Now, I haven't had a drink in three years, yet I'm reminded daily of my alcohol abuse because of the long-term effects. I have horrible short-term memory, and it makes everyday life very difficult for me, just remembering names, remembering how to do things. As a result of alcohol, I had high blood pressure, and I still have it. Destroys your internal organs, and I mean, it can destroy your brain functions, your handwriting, small motor skills. It's definitely a poison. I have liver pains, bone and muscle aches that just used to not be there, and it's not from age. I'm not that old. I should be in my prime right now, and I've probably aged myself 20 years through alcohol abuse. Alcohol is slow to kill, but it's the most hideous form of death. If I had known how sneaky and dangerous and insidious alcohol is, if somebody had kind of told me 
And if I had known that it's not this symbol for a good time, I think that would have made a difference. It's not like some of the other drugs that instantly after your first time you're hooked and you're addicted to it. A lot of times, you know, most of my friends didn't even like the taste of beer when they first started drinking. It started out as something that was fun, something we did on weekends. How it progressed to an everyday, all-day thing is beyond me. I have no answer to that. I do not understand how that happened, but it did. It's nothing but misery. The last 12, 13 years of my life, I've spent probably over half a million dollars, and over four or five years of that has been institutionalized, whether it be in a alcohol treatment rehab facility or, you know, incarcerated. Alcohol is just as bad, if not worse, than heroin or barbiturates or anything else. I don't know, 60% of people go out to drink and get drunk, chances are that they're gonna lead to something else and they're gonna end up on downward spiral. I may not be very old, but I have definitely seen some hellish things from alcohol. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think someone could get to the point that I was at at my age. I thought that took years and years, but no, downward spiral. It might seem fun at the beginning, but after you get stuck in that lifestyle for years, you realize how not fun it is. It's terrifying. Well, hopefully you took one or two pieces of new information away from today. And just want to reiterate, if you have questions for yourself or for someone that you care about, a family member or a friend that you're worried about, just know the professors in these videos, myself, professionals like Misty, are available for you to answer any questions or provide support. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for coming.